Oh, we're live. Okay. This is, this is, I am, I am enraged. I am enraged. Somebody has come on the Diojo podcast and sullied our good name with our tens of followers. Before I say something I'm going to regret, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring the culprit on right now. <laughs> oh, oh, you're laughing. You think this is funny? You think it's funny? It's hilarious. Yeah. So independent. Uh, so let's fill the people in. We had an independent fact checker from another country and they researched our podcast about your professional journey and your life story. And they found partly false information. What do you have to say for yourself? I think that's pretty amazing that they must know me better than I know myself. Well, yeah, <laughs> clearly, clearly. So, and they, and they were uh, Russian. I well, it looks like it. I uh, I wish I could um, pull that up, but uh, it's. I I woke up this morning. I'm literally taking a deuce and check um, <laughs> Facebook like most do, right? <laughs> and it's like so. Let me pull it up. It says there is. You have been flagged. Where is it? Okay. Partly. Oh, maybe now it's gone. Partly false information found in your post by an independent fact checker. We've added a notice to your post. And it's you got some Russian language at the bottom there. Yeah, about the, the thing. And then I'm like, what the hell? And so I click on it, and it's, it's our post, our full-length post of the episode with you. So That's which insane. You, you talking about your life journey and your professional journey, and and there's something in there that's partly false. Okay? <laughs> yeah, can you pronounce that name, John, for me? Uh, let's see. Let me, uh, it's not pulling up now on my Facebook. I don't know if they pulled it. I, I sent them a message back saying, "What the crap is this?" Um, Rask, Rask Rink of I don't know. R i s k r i n k. A V A N J E. Rest, rest, current, you know, it's probably just, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, so what, what did you, what did you, uh, now I'm suspicious of all our guests, but what did you share that was um, partly false? I don't know. I'm going to have to go back to the interview. Maybe it was all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, I think that's maybe the funniest part is like partly false. What does that even mean? So I don't know. Independent. So, you know, of all the, uh, you know, ragamuffin things that are on Facebook, I'm glad they, they, the crack team is on this in particular. Yeah, the A team. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So Jeez. you're, you may not know this, but your life is a farce. So. Wow, that's news to me. Yeah, do, do digging tonight, maybe. <laughs> I can figure yeah. out what the hell it is. It's that I'm lying about. Good thing it's on a Friday, right? So uh, yeah. So I don't. Uh, I, I I think you saw. I separated out the comments that you made about working with plumbers, and that's actually been pretty popular. Got a lot of comments on that. So people really? appreciate what you're sharing, even if it's a lie. Well, that's good news. Yeah, you're leading them astray, leading the plot. So <laughs> are you seeing the most feedback on that on LinkedIn or Facebook or um, on, on YouTube? <coughs> uh -huh. 
<coughs> it's pop. <coughs> excuse me, YouTube, and then maybe in Restoration Rebels. I think I posted it there. So, so I'll have to take a look. Yeah, you're a popular guy, man. So, oh, I should have. Um, sorry to the folks there. I should be wearing the uh, United Fire and Water there hat. There it is. Actually, in response tonight, bonfire at my house. I'm gonna burn these hats, you know, because you guys are just liars, <laughs> liars and deceivers. <laughs> well, if anything, you know, unfortunate should happen. I know a good restoration contractor. So. <laughs> if the fire gets out of hand or the hat, yeah, smoke, smoke damage, fire damage, we can. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, we got you on here. Any uh, words of Friday words of wisdom from Kevin? Uh, we're just getting ready to start free lunch Fridays. Boom. Or, uh, no, six minutes. So, yeah, I think April and Lee are coming in with food. And uh, I think we got a couple of referral fees to hand out today. So it's going to be good. Do you know what you're serving? No, I don't know. I asked them before they left. They wouldn't tell me. So it's probably yeah. something that I shouldn't be eating. <laughs> something nice fried, and healthy. Fried chicken or something like that. There you go. Um, and then uh, w when are you giving away the uh, four-wheeler? Or has that already happened? No, the four wheelers, um, first week of May. First week of May, nice. Yeah, we're probably gonna do like a big crawfish boil and, Boom. and invite the southern boys over. And yeah, too bad you're not just next door, that would be uh delicious. So it might be worth a special trip down. There you go, there you go. I got all this uh podcast money to work with, right? There you go. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you for coming on, Kevin. Um, even if you are a liar, um, you know. We just really appreciate oh. your contribution. <laughs> hey, I, I do I do what I can, John. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Have a great weekend. <laughs>
Um, Claude knows, you know, what's the farmer's statement? Uh, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. He talked about in that interview in IAQ, the 51% rule is like, as long as I was right, 51% of the time we could stay alive. So I was really excited to, um, Claude's from my neck of the woods in the, in the Northwest. And so um, this, is, this, this is a great, I enjoyed this conversation immensely that uh, Claude would come on and, um, and, and share his insights with us. So let's get after it. Well, and I think you mentioned in there, um, you went to a seminar from Lloyd Weaver, saw his portage dryer. I think it was when Lloyd came out to the Northwest, right? Um, he's yeah. definitely somebody that pops up in history. Do you remember much about the seminar and Lloyd's process? Yeah, and yeah not, ver not very much. I mean, Lloyd, I could relate to Lloyd because he's blue collar. Yeah. He was just your average Joe. He was rough, rough around the edges. He was rough all the way through. <laughs> and uh, he charged, and I was, I had gone to, I've been going to a lot of seminars because I didn't have much education. I'd sign up for these $59. At that time, there was a dozen companies where you could go to these one day seminars on every subject you could imagine. So I, I took those all in, you know, 59 yeah. bucks. So I'm going, you know, and, and so I took all those seminars and well, Lloyd was charging 250. Wow. Back, back in 1975 or something four yeah. or five in that, in that range. And I went to a seminar. It was, it was a, it basically just stood up there and talked to everybody. Hmm. And he made jokes. He, you know, he was a down to earth kind of guy. And I bought a couple of air movers from him and a, a sensor. I think he had a sensor at that time. And, and, okay. and I started, I started doing water damage restoration. And it, you put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. How the carpet cleaning business adapts into uh, water damage to some. Oh, well, it was perfect because yeah. it was uh, carpet cleaners really suffered in those days, and uh, and so a lot of them would go out of business in the winter time because it was kind of like the house the, the housewife believed in spring cleaning and fall cleaning. Yeah, and no serious business to them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, could clean you know in the spring and the fall. Well. I was a residential carpet cleaner and thousands and thousands of other carpet cleaners in this burgundy industry were also residential carpet cleaners. So they did pretty good in the spring and through the summer and into the fall. But once, once it started to rain or get really cold or the Christmas yeah. trees went up or whatever, that was the end of carpet cleaning. Yeah. So these, these guys were going out of business. I once bought a list back in the, uh, I think it was 24,000 uh, sick code 7217 carpet cleaners. And, I, I made a serious mistake. I put return postage guaranteed. <laughs> and, and it cost you 25 cents <laughs> to get them back. It was, it was crazy. Well, I got about 20 some percent of these, these mailings back. And that's when I, that's when I, whether I made up the story or not, some of them were just a bad list. Now I realize now that there was, some of them were just duplicates or bad lists. Or sure. whatever. But in my own mind at that time, I said 20% of our industry is going out of business every year. Yeah. And well, what, what can we do about this? You know, what, yeah. how can, and water damage uh, helped me. And, and within a few years, it became 50% of my net income. Yeah. So almost all residential. And so it was, wasn't was 50% of my gross sales, it was, but I made so much more money on water damage. Right. So it, well, being able to set the equipment and have it make money while you're doing other things, right? Yeah. It was, yep. even then it was uh, 12, 
$12 a day for an air move or something like that yeah. back in 1975. Yeah. So, so, but Lloyd, I don't really remember too much. I mean, I could tell you a few stories about Lloyd because, because once I got into the business, he was very aggressive. I mean, one time he was going to beat me up. And, well, you eventually uh, became his competition basically, right? Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> a few years later, but really I bought a couple of pieces of equipment, went to a seminar and I never had any dealings with Lloyd after that. I mean, I just, he, he yeah. wasn't like a mentor or a person I talked with, or, I mean, I would see him at the trade shows because I was attending the Carpet Cleaners Institute of the Northwest at that yeah. time. You know, I'd see him around and, uh, but I never was really, he wasn't my buddy or anything. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, you guys ever put the boxing gloves on and do that uh, at an industry what? show? Stop it, no, come on, Michael, open your mouth, no, Michael. <laughs> yeah, well, well, in Vancouver, Washington, we had a Carpet Cleaners Institute meeting up there. And in those days, those were pretty serious. I mean, we yeah. might have, you know, 100, 150 companies wow. come to something like that. We'd have big exhibits. For me, as a greenhorn, it was a huge thing, you know. And yeah, but I had brought out my first air movers. So that was, uh, and he came over to me. He was so pissed. So he had a, he had a bit of a temper. <laughs> he was so pissed. He says, you copied my color. And I'm going, copied your color? What? You got and he grabs me by the sort of shaking <laughs> like oh, wow. I'm kind of a nonviolent person. <laughs> and it was a good thing he did because it made me mad, is what it did. It made me embarrassed. It was in front of everybody, you know. Yeah. And uh, and and uh, I didn't copy his color intention. I just went, they only had eight colors of Imron paint, and I was using a super quality two-part paint back in those days. It was the most expensive paint that money could buy. <laughs> and, <laughs> My metal, I was making metal dryers. Yep, yep. And so they only had eight colors. They had a, they had a light blue and a dark blue. <laughs> yeah. I picked one of them. But anyway, uh, he made me mad enough and I was young enough. That was a mistake on his part because I was going to get even. I was going to show him what's what. And and of course, I would have never been able to show him what's what with a metal air mover. I made 10 units the first year. And I, I'd been selling easy blocks since the set, late 70s yep. out of my garage. And then you say, well, what else can I do? I mean, somebody's going to knock off my blocks pretty soon. You know, I got I to have something else. And I wrote the Carpet Cleaner's Guide to Water Damage Restoration, which I actually have a revised version, but this is the first book I wrote. That's one of the original copies? Yeah. Well, this is a, this is a, a, a slightly revised version. Sure. But, and, and since then, Dries, of course, has done lots of lots of things you know. wow but um you know we guys you know we wrote the restorative guide to the the book of restorative drawing which is 470 pages which which was huge i spent a whole year yeah. on that project um where was i going with this i forgot where i was your metal oh, dryer. Oh. yeah oh yeah so so what else can we sell besides easy blocks and then just i i, I sent a mailing off to every card between the united states with my Easy blocks on one side of the order form and yep. the book on the other side. And then the next, so I sold, I sold thousands of those books. Huh. I mean, thousands of them. And, and a lot of people would give me credit for getting them into the business because of the book. I mean, they would come to my seminars later. They would buy our equipment. They would do all this other stuff. But I got a lot of, and I didn't know it. I, I didn't know I was kind of <laughs> this, this guy, you know, that, that everybody looked up to. But that helped a lot of people make money. But anyway, the next time I did a mailing, because these mailings were very expensive, because I was doing like a 24,000 mailing at that 
I mean, that's how you reach people. It was the only way yeah. to reach people. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, magazine advertising or direct mail. And so uh, what else do we know anything about? The only thing I know anything about is water damage restoration. And I made a run of 10 metal air movers. And they weren't, they weren't copies of Lloyd's. They were a little different. And I tried to make them better. Of course, you know, you try to improve. And uh, I sent off a 24,000 mailing and sold like four of them. <laughs> like... Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> In other words, item, huh? yeah. it was a total bust. Yeah. And, and when Lloyd actually shook me up like that, I was going to give it up. Huh. I figured I had no chance. I had no chance. They, you know, they were buying Lloyd's Porta Porta dryers. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why would they buy something for me? I mean, they loved my blocks. I mean, I was opening the mailbox and getting. What stacked. were what were his original Porta dryers like? Like the snail fan that we know today, or no, no, no. They were metal. So, so you go to WW Rangers, you buy a HVAC blower. Yeah. You know, quarter horse, third horse, half horse, whatever. Yep. That comes with a wheel. So yep. it comes with a nine and a half, ten and five eighths, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so he had, and then you go to a sheet metal shop and you have them make the outside. And of course it's rectangular because it's sheet metal. Yep. So it has, it has straight lines. Now we came out with the first uh, snail shaped, uh, it was fiberglass, hand laid fiberglass, dryer in the world. And that came up, that came by accident like soon after that incident with Lloyd, that came fairly soon after that, within six months. Because I kind of decided, look, if I'm going to spend, you know, whatever it was I spent, you know, say say 30 cents a mailing, you know, thousands yeah. of dollars, which was like my whole net worth doing mailings, um, then, uh, and I only sell four of these. Yeah. That's a, that's a bust, you know. So you were ready to call it quits and just Yeah, <laughs> I was done. Yeah, yeah. And well, and even that wouldn't have done it because I didn't have a better idea. And yeah. uh, but the better idea came in the form of a fiberglass, hand laid fiberglass mold. And I have to give credit to somebody else for that. A guy, a guy walked in, he was an old guy, he's like 40, you know. And uh, and we started talking and he wanted a job carpet cleaning. And what he was was an alcoholic and he'd hit bottom, he quit drinking, but nobody would give him a job. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so he was just looking for any kind of work to take care of his family. And his name was Harlan Wright. And, and I'm like going, looking at this old guy. <laughs> going, and he's overweight, you know, and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, I don't know. Not I the prototype, think, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he can clean carpets. And on the way out, he looked at one of my dryers. I had it sitting in my little carpet cleaning business, and metal dryer. And he said, what's that? I said, blah, blah, blah. And this is how it works. And it goes underneath the carpet, does this and that. And he says, I can make that. I can make a tool. And make that out of fiberglass and i said you could and so we worked together but he did the real work but but i knew the industry and i knew how yeah 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 was. and we came out with the first fiberglass plastic air mover in the world at that time that would have been i don't know what year it was but it was you know 80 82 83 yeah. or in that area. and but one thing that really sticks out in my mind when we were negotiating he's he said i said well how much you know how much uh, do you think you're worth to get paid doing this? And he says 10 bucks an hour. And I still remember looking at him going, well, that's what I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cause I would pay myself, you know, like a regular business, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
And so I paid him 10 bucks an hour and he, he made the first fiberglass mold. He made the second fiberglass mold. Wow. One time we were one of the biggest laminators in Skagit County. Oh, dang. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Oh, we did we did tons of this stuff. Yeah. And uh and it was it was terrible. We got an order from U-Haul Corporation for 2200. So we got into the rental industry too. Okay. And we tried to we tried to merge the carpet cleaning industry that didn't have enough air movers with the rental industry who had, you know, they were good business people, they had money, they could buy stuff. And we merged those two industries together. And we got anyway, we got an, an order from U-Haul Corporation for 2,200 units. Holy cow. And these units took four man hours each to build. <laughs> they were hand built with little rollers, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was crazy. And and when we were going through that, I'm going, we can't keep doing this. And soon after we were able to buy our first rotational molding machine. Wow. Plastic, uh, rotational molding machine. So we had to redesign, basically. So you all U-Haul used to rent uh, drying equipment and tools and yeah. things? Oh, yeah. They got in this and they spent, I, I couldn't quote the numbers, hundreds of millions, 500 million, 800 wow. million dollars. And they opened up branches. Well, they bought 2,200 units, for example, because they wanted two turbo dryers in each store. Wow. So they had 1,100 outlets that they either had opened or were opening. And, uh, and they bought stuff. They never even saw my product. I, don't, I never met them. Wow. I got a... I got a phone call saying how much. I didn't know how much. I had $179 each. And uh, and the next thing I know, I got a purchase order for 22. The biggest order I'd ever gotten in my life was like for 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the biggest single order. Yeah. I, mean, I had lots of guys that were buying one and two and three and four, that kind of thing, you know. And they buy one and come back six months later and buy two more. And then they come back six months later and buy six. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those guys that bought one ended up with a hundred units, you know, down the road. But anyway, so that was a big order and that was all fiberglass. And then we got into rope. Well, it's funny. You mentioned you were one of the largest laminators. I remember reading Lloyd Weaver. He's in the Dakotas, right? Um, yeah. He, he was Dakota. uh, at one point the state's largest exporter, you know, with their porta dryers and whatnot. So oh, is that right? <laughs> and then I think his son innovated robots that go into like the HVAC systems and those kinds of things. So yeah. Um, yeah, I met his, I met his son. In fact, I asked son to sit on the water damage standard, the S500, I think. And I think I he even came out to Skagit County because we had one of those meetings right out. Not wrong. I don't know how you could not be encouraged hearing his story, you know, of just struggling and um, finding a way to make it happen in the early days. I mean, we all see the giant that um, Dry Ease is now, and I believe it's a part of the Legends brand now, but because um, uh, Claude sold in what, 2006, I think I said in the opening. So, but just, you know, it, it, you always see the end story, you know, the success, and it's, it's cool to hear some of those um, in between stories and also, you know, what Claude's doing in retirement, you know, to try to, like he said, make his money, do good things. And so um, just a real encouraging story and uh, a, a fun interview for me. Um, as as I said, we've, I've been trying to make more of a focus on the history. I really want to encourage modern restorers. If you're new to the industry, look up some of these names, um, you know, got opportunities. The Restoration Industry Association is having their 75th, I believe. 
So that's going to be June in um, Florida. It's Kissimmee, which is like outside of Orlando or whatever. And so, you know, that's going to be a great opportunity. Ken Larson mentioned that on the last podcast, you know, um, great opportunity to meet some of the still living industry legends, the guys that took it from, you know, carpet cleaning and construction and developed the industry into, you know, what it is. Um, and, and like Ken said on last podcast about, you know, still trying to, you know, mold it into what it should be. And so, you know, Claude's uh, huge in that uh, dry ease has made an indelible impression. But also, you know, Pete Consigli in that Founding Fathers article brought up, um, uh, so that's the Founding Fathers article from 2007 CNR Magazine, which is a magazine of Restoration Industry Association, but you can find that online. I'll link to it in the show notes, but his company mastered the skill of selling by providing low-cost seminars, and Claude was sometimes mocked for pricing his seminars under $100. I believe, whether it was in this article or another, you know, at the time, they were like 250 a pop, so... But he knew exactly what he was doing. He consistently played to packed rooms. While the attendees of other seminars dropped off, under Claude's innovative pioneering, Dries pushed the envelope in the decades of the 80s and the 90s. And so um, I believe Claude mentioned that in our talk. Like, you know, it's one thing to have the technology and, you know, some of those early as they're formulating, you know, pre-S500 from the IICRC and those kinds of things. You know, your trainers were writing their own manuals. And then like Ken talks about, you know, coming to a consensus and whether that's always the best thing, um, you know, it's it's a work in progress, right? So um, just interesting stuff. You know. um, hey, hey, guys, massive legend here. I'm looking to do a virtual book signing with the authors of Be Intentional Culture. Um, so we're shooting for Saturday, February 20th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So all of this you can see on the website, uh, thediojo.com forward slash listen is the podcast website. So at the Diojo Podcast. <laughs>